Headliner Radio, the creative voice. A very warm welcome to The Process on Headliner Radio. Today I'm speaking to Matt Motto. He's an active musician and sound engineer who's been performing, writing and teaching guitar since the age of 14. Matt, welcome to the show, man. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Good stuff. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be chatting to you today, man. Um, Absolutely. How are, uh, how are things on your end? How are you getting on? Oh, I've been, uh, I've been busy as ever. Uh, lots of projects. I just wrapped up a, a huge album for a client, a big symphonic metal project. Nice. Um, and I have my uh, hands deep in, in a whole bunch of other projects. I'm really excited about stuff that's going to be uh, dropping next year. So yeah, it's a great time. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Where, whereabouts are you based at the moment, Matt? I'm in the Chicago area. Okay. Nice. Nice. And, and you've got a studio there, right? I know you've, you've, you've been, you've been based there a little while, right? Yes. I've, I've been doing production work, um, in this area for, um, quite a while. Um, and I, um, was running a full commercial, uh, studio one town over from here. And, and we were doing, you know, like huge, um, productions, you know, full service. Yeah. 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 Um, stuff with bands and all that good stuff. Um, we did some commercial work as well. Um, or I'm sorry, corporate work as well. Okay. But, uh, yeah. And then I do a lot of, um, stuff in my, I have a home spot as well, you know, where I just do sure. smaller projects where I see, you know, singer songwriters, if, if there's no, you know, full band involved, I'll just come here and, and we'll do a lot of the, the tracking, um, here, but you know, if we need like a larger space, like we're doing a string quartet or like recording a full drum uh, kit or, or, you know, anything that would require, um, a larger space than, than we head over to the other spot. Nice. Nice. And that's called black and white studio, right? I'm, I'm right Yeah. Black that. and white is my company. So, you know, I, I teach music privately. I do, um, composition. Um, I do audio production. All of that stuff is under the black and white music Got umbrella. Okay. Um, my, my little production aspect of it, I, I call formless audio and okay. then that, you know, uh, refers to all of this stuff that's specifically, you know, the audio production work. Sure. Okay. So how, how were things when, uh, you know, it's been nearly two years now since the pandemic first started, which is crazy yeah. to, to think. Um, <laughs> it really is. Did, did you kind of go from the studio uh, to the home setup or did you already have that in place or was it a case of um, just taking a few bits back to, back to your home setup and, and going from there? Yeah, of course. Um, so I, I've had my home set up um, pretty much alongside, you know, whatever larger space I've been working out of. So I've been building this space up for um, a long time. Uh, so I, I'm really, really happy with the gear setup I have here. Okay. Um, it's all class A stuff. So it's, it's really, really high quality work. Um, I'm sorry, high quality equipment for the work that I do here, mm -hmm. regardless of whether it's, you know, here or at the larger space. Yeah. Um, but when the pandemic hit, it was kind of, uh, well, it was, it was kind of a scary thing. Cause I didn't, nobody knew, you know, what life was going to look like. But, uh, for me personally, um, uh, my band Disona, we had just finished, uh, writing our third album. Nice. And we, you know, of course, like once you get there, the, the excitement starts to build like, okay, we're going to record this thing and it's going to be amazing. So um, we started, I, I did all the pre-production, which involves me, um, you know, programming in the synths and, and getting rough drum tracks, you know, just so we can get as, as accurate a picture of the song before we actually recorded as possible. So I had finished all of that and then we were uh, moving to record bass guitar. And that was two weeks before the lockdowns were enacted mm. in the States. 
So we got through, I think, three songs of bass. And then, you know, the lockdowns happened. So we were like, oh, we don't even know what a lockdown is. So let's just, I guess, see what happens. And, you know, like they were saying, you can't drive anywhere except to the grocery store and blah, blah, blah. So they're like, okay, uh, how are we going to do this? So as time went on, um, I created sort of a clean room space at the other studio because it's large enough and and it's spaced out enough where the control room is, is, you know, 50 or 60 feet away from the large live room. So, you know, I had the bases come in there and I was like, okay, I'm not going to touch any doorknobs. You let yourself in, you walk in there. We won't, you know, there's going to be the 10 inches of glass between Mm -hmm. us as well. So it should be fine. And then we, we got through the bass parts, uh, doing it that way. And then, um, same with the drums, you know, all of that, um, sort of happened that way. And then, um, when it came to vocals, uh, we did some vocals there and then we did some vocals here at my home space. And it was the same kind of deal where I'm like, okay, you know, you can just let yourself in, walk into the room, um, into the booth, you're all set and ready to go. And then we'll, we'll take it from there. Um, so it was, it was an interesting process. It it wasn't Mm. too strenuous, you know, once we got sort of the feel right of how things were going to work. Um, but we did end up getting through all, you know, recording all of the parts. And, um, the the unfortunate thing was after we were done and and at that point, you know, of course I would move into the editing phase and then the mix phase, but you know, we, we sort of, we're watching the scene and we're like, we, you know, we don't know what's going on with the entertainment world. Like everyone's doing live stream stuff from their home. We've never done anything like that. Mm. We have no idea what, what a release strategy would look like in this, you know, environment. So we made the extremely difficult decision to just sit on it. You know, so I, I had the album, all the parts were backed up. Yeah. Um, It's all sitting on a hard drive. And then, you know, it's like, okay, let's just wait and see you know, wait to see other bands that might do releases in this pandemic yeah, uh, state yeah. and then see if we, if that's something we can do or just, you know, wait it out and see if maybe things subside. And, um, I, you know, like live shows and everything, that's all, you know, basically come back, but, but things do look different than they, they were, you know, a couple of years ago and we're well aware of that. So, um, yeah. So now, you know, we're, we're back into the production phase and nice. um, I'm, I'm getting the album all edited and, and put together and it's definitely going to be coming out next year. We've, we've got so much planned for next year. You know, we, you know, basically we're trying to make up for all of the dead air that existed, you yes. know, in these last two years, just because exactly. of the, um, yeah. the whole COVID situation. So um, yeah, that's kind of where it's at. Um Yeah. No, that's great. There's definitely a bit of making up to do, isn't there, over the for for the last for the last couple of years. And um, absolutely, we we've been losing our minds, you know, just like <laughs> basically sitting around. Like, you know, I think a lot of people think uh, the band might be dormant, but it's like ah, any, anything, anything but. You know, we're we're we have a lot planned. It's just that we don't have a lot to show. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but next year we will. Like, there's going to be a ton to show. Amazing, amazing, man. Yeah, that's great stuff. It's something to look forward to, isn't it? Um, absolutely yeah that's great that's great i mean everyone's had to adapt in their own way haven't they matt i guess it's like you said it's it's something that was completely you know unknown territory for for all of us especially creatives like yourself and it was um it was it was a hard time and and a shock initially obviously but um it sounds like you uh yeah kind of adapted nicely and and um and and still got to work which is which is good um i mean early on in your career you uh, i understand you was playing jazz and classical guitar. You've always been a guitar man, right? Um, and yes, you've always yeah. been interested uh, well, in. Actually, <laughs> technically, I started on clarinet when okay. I was in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
and then I migrated yeah. over yeah. to the cool instrument. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I mean, you've always been kind of um, interested in more of like the rock and metal side of things, as far as your music goes. Um, I guess uh, just for our listeners, tell us about your formative years um, and how your interest for for music and and production developed, and I suppose how you how you got onto the engineering side, Matt. Sure. Yeah, this is, um, I'm, I'm happy to tell the story. Um, so, uh, when I was younger, um, you know, I, I was, um, much more interested in visual art. So I was, you know, into drawing and all that kind mm. of stuff. And then, um, as I got older, I, uh, gravitated towards, um, the guitar, you know, just because we had sort of a, a beat up, you know, tiny three quarter size thing sitting around the house. And I, um, I had a couple of friends of mine who were, had real electric guitars and, and, um, you know, they play them all the time when we were hanging out. I'm like, man, this is just the coolest thing. And, um, so I started messing around on that, that crappy little guitar. And then eventually, um, I acquired a Squire Stratocaster <laughs> and, uh, I, I started playing that and, and it, it was really just an obsession from the beginning. Like I, I couldn't get enough of the instrument. Um, and, and, you know, oddly enough, uh, I, I was always so interested in creating, um, I think this goes back to when I was, you know, doing the visual art stuff, but, but I just always was like, okay, like I have this instrument, I, I love what I'm doing with it, but like, I need to make something that's my own. Yeah. I need to, and I need, I need it to be special. I need it to be unique. So that's kind of always uh, what drove me from an early age. Um, and then when I, uh, when I got into high school, I did, uh, I did classical guitar. Um, I joined the, you know, they had like the guitar one and two, like the beginner courses. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, I like flew through those and, and the teacher, um, you know, sort of saw me and, and he recommended that I join uh, the advanced course, which was guitar studio. And that's all classical guitar. And, you know, it's ensemble playing and stuff like that. And um, I, I loved all of that, you know, being exposed to classical guitar, like without a doubt shaped my, my composing ear because you know, songs like that, like it's, it's so different from pop structures where it's like, okay, we're going to have a verse and we're going to have a chorus and yeah, then yeah. another verse and a bridge. And that's, you know, that's how the song goes. Well, with classical guitar, it's much more fluid. You know, you have a, sometimes a theme and then this theme like gets evolved and then it takes you somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And then somehow, you know, this piece that is so lush and rich with detail, like it still feels familiar um, you know, it, it feels like a single piece as opposed to just, you know, someone rambling musically. Mm -hmm. Um, so I loved that. And that's sort of, you know, that, that, um, definitely shows up in my, uh, in my writing with, with Desona and, you know, most, most music that I do, I try to make it that way. Um, but yeah, so I did the classical guitar thing and then, um, you know, at, at that high school, they were in such short supply for, uh, decent electric guitarists who could, you know, read music and, and chord charts and stuff. So I was immediately roped into doing jazz band. And um, to be quite honest, I kind of hated jazz band. <laughs> um, but but come looking back on it, I'm so grateful that I did it because there is there is no better way to expand your chord library and just sort of like you know, see, see that side of playing in such a different way. You know, the rhythm playing yes. of, of being yeah. a guitarist. Um, it's, it goes so beyond playing power chords and, and simple things, you know, like comping and supporting the, the lead instruments mm -hmm. becomes this very, very artistic and amazing thing. So I'm, I'm super grateful for having been exposed to jazz and, and there are certain elements of jazz that I, um, I absolutely love and they show up in my playing and my writing. Um, but, uh, after that 
happened after, you know, high school was coming to a close and I was looking at colleges and stuff like that. I, I got offers from a few um, prestigious classical and, and jazz schools um, that wanted me to, you know, play in their programs and they would obviously, you know, uh, pay for some of my tuition. Um, but you know, when I, when I really thought about it and, and it's just, it's just so strange that this was a natural thought, but when I really thought about it, I'm like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to do, I don't want to have to perform music as a requirement, you know, like it's so yeah, sacred yeah. to me that like, I don't want to have someone tell me, okay, like you got to go to, you know, do this thing and you got to play this thing that we're telling you to play. And I'm like, I'm kind of over that. Like I, I'm, again, I'm going back to, I want to create and I want to be able to create the best that I can. So, um, at that time when my, when high school was coming to a close, I had already met, uh, 60% of Disona. I had met the singer and the bassist and we were already creating music together. And we had already actually recorded some stuff with other people. Okay. And, um, those quote unquote engineers we worked with were really just guys who had, you know, like a, a room and a laptop and they're like, Oh yeah, I'll record you and blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> it just, it just, you know, didn't turn out well. So it became very clear, very quickly that it's like, okay, we, we kind of need to be in control of as much of this process as we yeah. can. So yeah. um, that's kind of what guided me to um, pursue audio production, you know, in college and study that. Okay. Um, so, so I did, I went to Columbia and Chicago and um, I went for two years. Uh, and at that time I was uh, already offering demo services to bands. And, you know, I was also teaching guitar privately. Mm -hmm. I had been doing that since I was 14. So I was already doing that. And I was already having younger students who were joining bands and, you know, who needed demos. So I'm like, oh yeah, like I'll, I'll record you, you know, and I'll, I'll do the best job that I can and I'll make it dirt cheap. And <laughs> so um, I was learning a lot very quickly just through pure exposure. Yes. And then also coupled with, you know, the, the actual um, academic training I was getting at Columbia. Um, but, you know, in that two years time, things were just getting too crazy because I was commuting down, you know, to, to, to class. I wasn't living on campus or anything like okay. that. So, okay. Um, it was just like, you know, this, this production side of my life, I feel like I'm sort of getting a grasp of it. I've got a good clientele going. Um, I'm going to just sort of uh, follow this path. So yeah, I, I stopped going to Columbia after two years and just sort of focused much more on the hands-on side of production. And, and um, I just sort of kept building that up. I did um, our Disona's first album came out in 2012 and mm -hmm. um you know, we, we literally just put the album on Bandcamp cause we didn't know what to do. So we did the album, we put it on Bandcamp and, you know, it was basically like, okay, world, like the music's out there. <laughs> and, uh, to our surprise, um, we, we gained a, a pretty intense, uh, underground sort of blog following yes. a lot of, a lot of blogs in Europe were really, really, uh, taking to the music and talking about us. And we're like, wow, like this is unbelievable. Um, the album was getting torrented because we had, we put it out, you know, for $0, like you could pay us if you wanted to, um, or just download it right now so you can hear it. And we did that. And so we saw our album showing up on torrent sites and like, you know, in these progressive metal, um, uh, what do you call them? Collections or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it, it was very cool. So that was very, very inspiring. We, we, we were, um, sort of convinced we must be doing something right. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you think? It, what do you think made your your music resonate so so much in Europe, uh, Matt? Do you think it was kind of the 
the kind of melodic guitar like you know that you know was there a certain aspect of it that you think made it so popular um in certain circles um you know i i would love to know uh <laughs> i would love to know what what exactly you know um people were drawn to about it in particular now i like I still listen to, you know, um, that, that old stuff. And it's, it's so much fun to hear because, you know, uh, David, our singer, like, you know, he sounds a little bit younger and, mm. and, you know, his, his style has, his, his style has evolved a little bit, but he's still the same guy, but yeah, either yeah. way, um, I just, I feel like what got people was that it was, um, like we meant it, you know, when, when we made that mm. music, we, we put a lot of time into it. Um, we, we had always sort of been those sort of elitist guys, you know, like, Oh, this album sucks. You know, we don't like this. We don't like this. We liked a very, very particular, um, I guess you could say we, we liked what we liked Yeah, and very, we, we had very high standards when it came to like allowing new music into our, um, into our brains. Yeah. And I feel like that shows up in the music that we create, you know, we're, we're so difficult, like on ourselves, you know, if we write a part. Um, everyone's got to approve of it, you know, like, you know, if we're working on a song, it's not just someone writes it and says, this is the way it is. Mm-hmm. It's more like, Hey, I wrote this thing. What do you guys think of it? Does it need sculpting? Yeah. Um, so, so we're very, very tough on ourselves. And I, I think, I think that shows up, um, in the, in, in the, um, authenticity of the music. And I hope that's yes. part of what, what we're drawn, people were drawn to, but, um, you yes. know, I, I, I think the guitar works really good. I think, uh, <laughs> I, I think it's also, um, for lack of a better term, some of the parts feel kind of, uh, kind of out there, kind of otherworldly. Yeah. Um, you know, like we, we, we try not to write stuff that's too predictable, mm-hmm. but it still has to be interesting. You know, you, you you need to give your listener a reason to listen to this music. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's not a piece of film. It's not a video game. It's just a piece of music. So um, you can, you know, you can show your stuff. You can, you know, show off your skill level and all that stuff. But it, it's still, it's not going to stick unless there's real, you know, um, human emotion there to grab yes. the listener. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, I, and it's interesting to hear that, you know, you getting into the production and engineering side of things almost happened out of necessity. Um, yes. you know with the band like you know like you said wanting a bit more creative control and um and having a little bit more freedom to to do that so i mean that makes Absolutely. makes complete sense yeah uh i mean you you said about jazz um but <laughs> that's that's something that has obviously had a profound effect on you whether that be subconsciously or what in terms of sure. how that sculpted your own approach um and style when it comes to to doing things uh, nowadays in terms of, of guitar and, and song composition. Um, t- tell us a little bit about your approach, uh, Matt. I, I guess it must vary depending on what kind of project you're working on, but do you have a, a sort of general approach or a process that you that you kind of follow when you're you know, writing a track or, or you're in the studio with the guys? Um, yeah, what's your general take? Uh, yeah, so I have, um, I have two... Um projects that that are you know directly associated with me um where i can say it's my music and and that's disona yes. which obviously me and three other guys and then i have an electronic project called seed okay and that's it's spelled c3d3 and that's that's you know 100 electronic i do the vocals for that but they're heavily heavily um affected so it barely sounds like me mm-hmm. um the processes for those two projects are radically different um can imagine i'll start with c just because it's much more straightforward 
for the electronic stuff, seed that, that lives 100% in pro tools. So when I am sitting down to write an electronic song, it starts and ends in pro tools in the DAW. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at the MIDI controller, I'm poking around with sounds Uh and and I'm composing and and creating the chord changes and the melodies, um, all within the DAW from the get-go. Um, when it comes to Disona, it's like I said, it's, it's, it couldn't be more different. I actually, um, I start by composing with what I call pen and paper, but I use a piece of software called guitar pro, which I'm sure everyone's heard of. Um, so I'm writing, I'm actually writing the parts for the entire band, um, in this, uh, transcription software. Um, so I, I, I get the composition sounding as good and, and, you know, exciting as possible, you yeah. know, with just pure MIDI sounds. Um, and then that's what I send to the guys, you know, they listen to it and they say, okay, like, you know, is this, is this good? Like if we can get excited from, you know, this, this MIDI super Nintendo sounding, you know, audio file, yeah. um, if this feels good, then we start to move into the pre-production process. And what I do from there is I immediately, you know, move all of the the MIDI stuff into Pro Tools and I get the tempo mapped and, okay. and um, all the parts labeled. And then um, from there, you know, like, like the process can be sort of different depending on the actual track. But for a general track, like a full band piece, um, I would start with the drums and sort of get those sounding a little more realistic. Like I said, um, these are still programmed, you know, just programming drums. Uh-huh. We have an actual drummer and he actually, you know, plays his parts. <laughs> um, but, but for the, the pre-production, I'll get the drum sounding as good as I can. Um, and then really what needs to happen there is I need to track um, guitars as soon as possible because you just, you can't make a, a palm mute sound, you know, in guitar pro or even in a DAW, like, like you, you there, obviously you can make a palm mute sound, but it's for how intricate our music is, you know, I need to just lay the parts down. I need to feel um, how those electric guitars are reacting with the drums and then things get shifted again. Um, And then from there um, I'll, I'll, you know, nowadays I actually demo the vocals myself just because I'm sitting right here and and I can do it. Um, And, and of course, like just having all the instruments in there and hearing how they react and live together, Mm -hmm. that's going to affect what I can do on top of the the band. So then I'll add, you know, the synths and the orchestrations, um, little bit at a time, you know, just filling the cracks in the corners, uh, making sure that the composition is being um, amplified and not, you know, bloated with all of this extra stuff. Yes. Um, so, so from there, once, you know, pre-production's done, then, then we get all the actual um, players in. So we'll lay down uh, bass, we'll lay down drums, we'll lay down vocals, um, and then um, I'll go into the mix. But, you know, like, and this, this I'm sure you hear from producers all the time, but like you need to get that, uh, the pre-mix draft has to sound as good as possible before you go to mix it. If yeah. you've done a good job with the composition, then mixing is not going to be this like, you know, night and day thing. It's going to be like, okay, like everything sounds tighter, everything, you know, exists and it's loud enough and it's balanced enough and and that's it. Now the song is, you know, ready for mastering. But yes, um, I think a lot of people, you know, write and, and then they think, okay, well, this sounds kind of trashy now, but it's going to sound great when I mix it. Well, it's <laughs> like, it depends. Like is mixing to you? Are you sending this off to an engineer to like reamp everything? Yeah, and yeah. And, do all this fancy stuff because if so, then yeah, things might get transformed. But if you're, you know, like laying down your own tones and everything, you have got to be happy with that 
you know, before the mix phase, because there's only so much you can do. Yeah, so getting it to a, a good starting point, um, essentially, is what you're saying is is really important, right? To to then Absolutely, use that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes complete sense that you'd be doing things a little bit more organically with the instrumentation, um, with the band, and then uh, with Seed doing everything pretty much in the box. Um, which, yep. yeah, I mean, are you using um, are you using plugins quite a lot, Matt? What's your setup like? I suppose that leads us on quite nicely to talk about. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. The, 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 yeah, the the, uh, the setup in your in your studio and at home. I mean, what, you said it's it's quite high end. What kind of uh, what kind of kit have you got in there? And, and have you got any bits and pieces that you that you tend to use quite a lot? Sure. Um, so I have. I, I you know, it's kind of interesting because when I started, you know, getting into the production world, um, the the whole digital side of things was was very much you know existent and and the norm yeah but there was still this strong element of like you know analog gear like you know that you there are good analog pieces to have so at that time you know i was putting stock into um into those so i have a couple you know i, I have um like i bought an avalon di you know way okay. back in the day yeah. i still use that that's that's you know um it's the starting point for my my di chain uh, for guitars and bass and whatnot and then um, I've got a Grace Design preamp M101. I have a, a Great River um, preamp, the the whatever it is, any one. What is this? INV. Um, I got that preamp, and then I've got um, I have the Torpedo Live. Uh, what's it called? The oh, the digital load box um, for when I'm capturing my my tube amps. You know, and I want to okay. use those sounds right away. Yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I use all those pieces of gear. I, I try not to be a collector. I definitely don't want to be a collector and, and just have, you know, gear to show it off. I, yeah. I try to make everything, um, you know, have actual utility. Yes. Um, yeah. But uh, I've got those pieces. I've got, you know, um, I'm talking right now through the SM7B, you know, the broadcast yeah, mic. Nice. Um, I use the, uh, I have the Slate um, VMS system I've been trying recently. Okay. Um, you know, that, that modeling sort of microphone yeah, thing. And I, yeah. I, I think I like it. I, I've been using it for a while and getting good results. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, um, okay. Yeah. Besides that, I, I have plenty of plugins if you want to talk about those. Yeah. I mean, again, leads us quite nicely onto, onto the, uh, the digital side of things. Um, a plugin that has, or two plugins that have become, um, particularly popular over the, the last few years since they, came out a, a Suvin Spiff from Oak Sound and obviously oh, yeah. we've, we've spoke a little bit about them off the call um I, I think more than anything they're they're just really good time savers aren't they um and I know you've been using them a little bit in in your workflow Matt um more than a little bit yeah <laughs> yeah how, how long have you been using them uh let's see Soothe in particular I got turned on to um uh, maybe three or four years ago um sure and I, I'm so grateful that I did um yeah, that, that plugin is just wonderful. And, you know, like, like I, I think I heard about it being used on vocals, but I end up using that thing on anything that like, you know, symbols, anything with harsh, you know, gathering frequencies, yeah. I, I usually reach for soothe and, and it's, I've heard a couple of people talk about it this way, but it's so easy to abuse that plugin and just, <laughs> throw it, you know, like make it your go-to yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, for solving those kinds of problems. Um, I, I love it. It's, it's, it's great. Um, uh, I, I use it on guitars, any, anything that, you know, is going to have a lot of, uh, mid range information that you, you know, that might be gathering and, and affecting your mix. 
Um, I usually end up reaching for that guy. Um, and then Spiff is cool too. I, I haven't used it too much. Um, I did have a demo of it. You know, that's the transient one that, that, you know, it's good for like, I I heard pops and clicks and stuff like that and dialogue kind of like what's going on right now. Um, but, uh, yeah, both of both of their plugins, I, I like, I have nothing but good things to say about them They're They are time savers. They are life savers, (laughs) um, for the modern mixer. Yeah. I think they're well, especially so the, you know, it's, it's, there's a beautiful simplicity about it i think oh, yeah. that's that's um you know there's nothing complicated or, or hard to to get your head around but um they just they do you know like you say notching out those you know harsh frequencies but they do it in such a way that's just kind of seamless isn't it and it, it just uh yeah i've heard i've just heard great things about it yeah seamless um effortless you know like i when i um started using that, like, you know, I, I read the manual, of course, and, and the manual says like, oh, you know, the default setting should be enough for most things. And I, yeah. I used it. I would just open up the plugin and then like adjust the uh, the depth, you know, sure uh, to be doing what it's supposed to be doing in the right amounts. And then that mm. was usually it. I, I might play with the mix knob to get the, the amount right as time goes on, but that was usually it. So, um, most, so then mostly using I, it on I, your uh on your like on your drum bus or on vocals as well or, or what kind of yeah it's it's definitely a part of my vocal chain um yeah. but like i said i'll use it on some cymbals uh sometimes sometimes i will actually throw it on the whole drum bus uh but you got to be careful with that because uh sometimes like the hi-hats you know will disappear yeah. if, <laughs> if you're using it too much so yeah it's just you know as with anything, when you're dealing with an entire bus of processing, you got to be really, really, you know, gentle with it. Sure. Um, Cause it's very, very easy to destroy that whole bus uh, too quickly if it's extreme processing, but yes, yes I've used it on, uh, on the drum bus. I've used it on guitars. Um, I'm trying to think of something I don't use it on. Um, maybe, maybe not since too much, but, but okay. then again, you know, like um, if there's a really aggressive uh, like, like lead, like a saw synth or something, mm-hmm. and you just need to, you know, lower the buzz, it can be great for that. Yeah. Yeah. No, nice, nice, man. It's, uh, it's definitely a, a versatile, um, tool and, and one that's just easy to, to pick up, isn't it? And, uh, and put across a session. Um, Absolutely. yeah, that's great. That's great, man. Now, before, before we started, uh, the conversation, Matt, you said that, and, and you obviously mentioned earlier that there's a, you know, there's a big year for Disona uh, coming up, uh, 2022. Um, <laughs> Tell us a little bit about, I mean, there might be some things that you can't tell us about at the moment, but um, tell us a little bit about what you've got planned band-wise um, and what you've got planned um, on the production side of things, you know, on the on the business side. Um, is there any uh, any exciting plans coming up? Uh, yes. And, and like you said, I can't talk about too much, yes. but, um, I can, I can guarantee that a new album's coming out next year. Great stuff. Um, yeah. there, uh, <clears throat> there will be, um, at least one video we're going to be doing, cool. um, as in, you know, like a music video or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then we've got some really exciting, uh, performance, uh, aspect related things coming as well. Um, and you know, with, with any, you know, full release, there's going to be, uh, playthrough videos, you know, where you can see us actually playing our parts. Um, those are really, really popular now and we, we love doing those. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of nervous. I'm not sure I can say much more (laughs) right now, but it will be, it will be a big year. It's going to be a very, very busy year. Um, and I'm, I'm very excited for it. So 
uh, it's, there's a lot to look forward to. Yeah, great stuff, man. That's good to hear. That's good to hear after the year that, or the year or two that we've just had that, um, yeah, that things just, are just the, things are picking up. Yeah, kind of desert. It's been <laughs> yeah, crazy times, crazy times. Well, yeah, um, it's been a, it's been a real pleasure chatting to you today, Matt. And uh, thank you again for for giving us a bit of your time today. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me. No, it's all good. It's um, it's been great. And uh, yeah, I mean, best of luck um, with all the all the projects you've got going on at the moment. It sounds like there'll be enough to uh, to keep you busy going into the new year. So um, until then, uh, take care of yourself, and hopefully, we'll catch up very soon. Sounds great, man. Thanks so much. All right, take care. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.